Welcome to the Highfalutin Podcast. The Highfalutin Podcast is a conversational exploration into the topics of the day framed around a theme chosen in advance by your hosts, Monica Schrager, Ryan Norsworthy, and me, Matt McCarthy. The theme of the first episode of the Highfalutin Podcast will be Reboot. We're recording. Never gets old. All right, you guys. Thank you for joining us this morning. The uh, that was terrible. I'm going to start over. One, two, three. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Highfalutin Podcast. Our theme uh, this first time out is reboot. Um, the definition of reboot. It is a verb. The transitive and intransitive is to shut down and restart, as in a computer or program. Another intransitive definition is to start up again after closing or shutting down, to boot up again. The second definition is also transitive. It's a verb to start something anew, to refresh something by making a new start or creating a new version. The final intransitive uh, definition is uh, to start anew, to make a fresh start. So that all seemed very timely to me um, and to our group here as we were trying to decide what the theme for our first episode would be. We hear this in the news a lot right now, the word reboot. We need to reboot the economy. We need to reboot our daily lives um, as they are kind of shut down right now with COVID. There is a big appetite for rebooting right now. There's a deep desire to get back to the way things were to start over again. And I feel like there's also an opportunity that's implied in, re- in reboot, right? There is, you're, you're starting again, it's a fresh start. And that's what I'm interested in today. It's that opportunity that is implicit in reboot. What are we gonna do with this opportunity? And I, and I say that knowing that this is an opportunity that a lot of people didn't ask for. And I'm not trying to diminish the hardship and the struggle that the people are going through right now. I, I, you know, I recognize it's incredibly difficult and, and that sincerely sucks, um, but, can some good come from all this? I think it, it maybe it can, and um, and I and I think that's that's part of what we're gonna we're gonna talk about today. And the other reason why reboot really resonated with with us, I think, this week is because this is sort of a reboot for highfalutin media and what highfalutin media does. And um, highfalutin media kind of started years ago when when um, I published a book and and put it out there, and. Um, that was kind of the only vehicle for highfalutin media for years. And, and now with a lot of time on our hands and, and a desire to, to do something creative and imaginative, we've uh, gotten this group together to, to reboot what highfalutin media is. And um, so we're, we're going to come out with podcasts, which is what this is. We're going to come out with blogs um, and we're going to be hitting you with a bunch of different new stuff. So redesigning the website, check that out, highfalutinmedia.com. And um, we're excited about the, this reboot and this future for, for highfalutin media. So uh, that said, I thought I'd, uh, I'd ask my co-hosts here, Mr. Ryan Norsworthy, Ms. Monica Schrager, what does this, uh, you know, what, what does reboot mean to you? What do you think about it? I, I touched about what it means to me kind of in the intro. Um, and, and this, you know, it's more than just highfalutin media to me. It's the three of us getting together and in and, and, and this endeavor, right? We're kind of rebooting a creative relationship between the three of us. And, um, and you know, that, that excites me. And um, this, you know, I think we're trying to pull together and create something positive. And 
I know I need something positive right now. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, that need something positive right now. So, um, I don't know, Monica, what, what do you think? What about reboot resonates with you? And, uh, what would you like to discuss today? Sure. I really like the term transitive in particular in those definitions, um, particularly the reference to creating a new version. Cause personally, like many people at the beginning of the year, I made some goals, um, one being to kind of get more in shape so my clothes would fit better. Um, but also I was kind of sick of dyeing my hair, quite honestly. And so I'm letting it go and it's going natural color, which has some grays and silvers in it, which I think are sort of empowering from a woman's perspective to kind of embrace that. Um, so I think on, one, on the one hand, I'm, I'm making good progress towards those personally, but similar to what you said, I think in this crazy time of COVID and everything going on in the world, um, nice to create new things, you know, um, and a little later when we talk about one of your topics, I have some further thoughts on that. Um, but it's good to kind of creatively get together, particularly with you two, you know, we, we haven't seen each other as we have as much as I would have liked over the last few months, but even, even years. So it's a great opportunity to reconnect. Ryan, how about you? Uh, reboot? What, what does it make you think of? What is it? Uh, how does it resonate with you? Good morning. Well, yeah, I think, uh, about a lot of the things that you guys uh, both touched upon, but specifically um, relationships. And, you know, when you're not allowed to meet um, in large groups, you have to focus on who you are going to be hanging out with. So um, it's given a time to kind of examine those relationships, uh, reboot. Uh, and it's been really interesting to see, you know, just uh, being a dog owner and walking around and seeing all the new dogs in the neighborhood that this uh, quarantine has uh, brought upon in my neighborhood and seeing families hang out together, um, getting to meet my neighbors uh, that I always saw in passing, but actually stopping and saying hello as people took their social life as the weather improved outside in the front porch since they can't do the things that they normally do um, as far as uh, going out and uh, with the, some of the limitations that we've had. Um, and that we're getting back into. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I think about when I think about uh, the reboot is, is uh, an opportunity to improve on relationships. Ryan, you were one of the people when we were talking, you know, as COVID has, has unfolded here and, and the quarantine has gone on, um, you were one of the people I talked to who, early on was able to find like silver lining in, in the whole thing and like was able to like, you know, look at kind of a, a bright side of it. And like, while still recognizing that there's incredible hardship and this is a real pain in the ass, but you, I, I was kind of inspired at the way you ha had kind of a positive take on some of it. And would you mind sharing a little bit of that? Sure. Yeah. I think uh, one thing that occurred to me right away was that, coming out of this and I at the time I didn't think we'd be going through this this long but I was saying that it was um nobody would have an excuse to not accomplish some of the things they accomplished you're at you're at home you have more time regardless of how you look at it um uh so you know it's I I thought that was an opportunity and besides that I mean what other choice did you have um so I mean you're kind of stuck at home you can't do a lot of the things that you'd want to do or that you'd normally do. So um, you have to deal with it. And the uh, best way to deal with it is to reboot. Take, to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to uh, 
do those things that you want to do. Get into shape, grow your hair out, uh, you know, write, start a podcast. Yeah, go. I know I've been working out a lot more since this quarantine. I've been able to, which is nice. Yeah, I have too. I have too. I would say I have too, although I would say I've also been doing some of like the naughty things more too. Like I probably, you know, it's harder not to to drink like during the weekends when you're stuck yeah. inside, you know. Oh, I didn't know we were, weren't. I, yeah, I thought that was off subject. <laughs> yeah, snacking. I can admit, over snacking. It's like the COVID nineteen, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Is that what they call it? COVID nineteen. That's hilarious. On the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are trying to be positive, but and you know, and that's. I think I have been working out more. The uh, but you know, there is like with all that time on your hands, there is some of that struggle to to keep some of those bad habits at bay. You know, um, and that's part of like that. You know, you wake up every morning with this today I'm going to try to, you know, do more of the good stuff than the bad stuff. And you try to make it play out that way. Um, well, I also, I don't know if you guys went through this, but you know, there was the quarantine fatigue as they oh, called yeah. it. And to be quite honest, like I got down a little bit throughout it, you know, I was like, geez, this is, you know, is, who knows when this is going to end. And so there's, it's, you know, you got to go through sort of this mental toughness and kind of be like, okay, find the, find the good, make something good, be creative and get out of the rut. Yeah, I think everybody can identify with uh, getting down. I mean, it's been um, it's been stressful on a lot of levels. Um, yeah, I find it real hard to focus. You know, like the your your attention drifts away to the news and what's going on, and there's you know there's just so much to think about. Um, so yeah, I mean, every day, all these you know, you have all these little opportunities to reboot. You know, like you. You start to get into a rut. You start to get into that negative thinking. You start to, to you know, maybe you, hit, you start happy hour a little too early, you know. But um, you have all these opportunities every day in this quarantine to start over again and to, and to try to make it into something positive. And now, highfalutin news. You can see the nation happening as a whole with some of the racial reckoning um, going on. It makes me think about, in current news, how things, the reboots going on. I think the biggest one this week uh, would be, you know, Trump's turnabout and the way he's perceiving the whole uh, pandemic. I mean, he wouldn't even acknowledge it for most of this time. Um, I think we could all agree. I think most of the nation agrees that he's been a failure when it comes to uh, handling the pandemic. I, I we mean, certainly uh, agree. I think there's there's forty yeah. percent of the nation that's that's uh, not yeah. gonna agree. But that's right. a great point. The way he's reboot, like the, you see his his stance on masks this week. Like, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, exactly. Talk about a one Yep. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and he shut down the conference. I think that's the latest news in Jacksonville. You know, and this is all. I mean, I think all because of his sinking polls. Um, you know what he wasn't doing wasn't working at all for anybody. So. Um, you know, uh, if he has any hope of a political future, he had to once again reboot his new um, daily press conferences um, that he's doing solo. You know, uh, he had stopped doing those because they weren't going so well. And then for a while there, he didn't even acknowledge what was going on. I think he um, stopped doing them when they, right after he said that, like, maybe people could use antiseptic to kill uh, COVID. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's a new low. So, I think I think it's interesting to see that in the, looking out over the landscape of the nation. Uh, that's been a very interesting 
turnabout there. Speaking of Trump's turnabout, um, I found it fascinating that, you know, Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia was suing Keisha Lance Bottom, the mayor of Atlanta, for, you know, from her mask requirements. But I almost wonder if he's going to turn a little bit now that, you know, that Trump, Trump has. Yeah, I don't think on most of those, I think a lot of those mayors, ironically, not mayors, excuse me, governors, um, are also places uh, that supported the president are also the in some of the hot spots right now, um, Florida, Georgia, um, Texas. Um, I don't think there's any irony in that. I think there's a very direct cause and effect there. Yeah, well, th I think though that with the president, I'm <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is that they they rode in together, and I think uh, they'll be riding out together. Yeah, could be. Knock on wood. The. Uh, yeah, and the news in general, the you know, I mean, we're getting into the real meat of the election cycle, you know, and there's going to be a lot of people talking about who's going to be the candidate, who's going to who's going to be able to restart this thing the best. I'm a little worried about the voting process. I did just get something in the mail yesterday about um, mail-in ballots. We did too, yeah. And I'm a little, I'm just, I'm still worried about you know that process and hoping they get it right, and still voter suppression, obviously is always an issue, particularly in some Southern states. So I'm hoping. And that the president may not accept the results. <laughs> exactly. I still feel like I want to vote in person if the opportunity is there. It just feels even. I do too, but I, you know, I, 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 is that safe? I mean, I think when I, whenever I, I've always gone to my local library um, and I've had a schedule where I've always, I've never waited in line to vote. Um, uh, I never have missed a vote that I know of. Um, I, I think early voting, I don't know what all states have that, but in Illinois, they have that. In Chicago, I love that, that, yeah. Um, I, to, I, that's where I go back to kind of, there's no excuse. I mean, really, if yeah. if you have a month to vote, you know, you can't yeah. find a time to do your civil duty in a month. I've um, always so. early voted too, and I feel like if you're wearing masks and you're using hands, that's yeah, great. I mean, if they're not day off to do it, then yeah. well, actually, my work just gave us the day off. They gave us election day off. Oh, that's nice. I th I th that's another something I hope that would come out of this nationally is that I've heard some companies doing that. I've heard some suggestions of doing that. It should just be a holiday. I mean, we sh it shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to jump through hoops to vote. I read somewhere that Illinois is going to make it a holiday that they're going to close the state businesses and stuff. I thought I'd seen that. Yeah. I wonder if kids will be in school in November, you know. I don't think so. Well, my son's school is going back. Private Catholic schools are going back, definitely, with the option to go remote. We're going back. Is that uh, scary uh, for you guys? No, I feel, the, actually, the American Pediatric Society and his pediatrician actually said, um, you know, they're, they're advocating for going back. They say the risk is worse um, to not go back, both mentally and socially. Um, they're, they're putting some good protocols in place, calling them small groups, those type of things. So I'm feeling good about it. That's good. And now, High Flute Nards. The art scene right now, you know, the arts are very near and dear to us and the Boy, are they struggling right now. The uh, big part of the art scene in this country right now is just is just dying right in front of our eyes. Um, there, was a, there was a piece in the Chicago Tribune um, a couple weeks back, um, I think it was July 16th, by Chris Jones, Chicago Tribune uh, theater critic. 
And um, he's talking about the impact of the pandemic on the theater scene in Chicago. And obviously it is, it is shut it down. You know, you can't have, you can't have an audience in a theater watching performers. Right before this all went down, I went to Steppenwolf and saw Bug, which was a very timely play to see. It was all about like this, this couple in this uh, motel room who like are imagining their bugs everywhere. And like, you know, they think that it was a really, really well done piece. A lot more nudity in it than I thought there was going to be. Like yeah. performers were like naked for the whole like last act. But um, that was kind of the last social thing I did. It was like went to Steppenwolf right before everything shut down. I think that was in early March-ish. Um, but you know, those theaters, those actors aren't working. The the theaters, you know, they still pay rent. They're not selling any tickets. Um, lighting, makeup, choreography, sound designers, none of those people are working right now. Um, I imagine a lot of those people won't go back to those jobs. You know, they're, they're going to have to go on and find something else to make a living. And then, you know, how do you, how do you reboot that once it's stalled out like that? it makes me really worried for the, for the, for the art scene in the city. Um, you know, music obviously right now is in the same boat. You, you know, all these venues, they're, they're shut down right now. Um, they, you know, all these bands, all these little bands that aren't, you know, making albums and stuff, you know, you know they're making their money by, by playing out, you know, they're going on tour, they're playing live. Can't do any of that right now. Those, those people are all looking for money, looking for other gigs right now. Um, it's something I think about a lot in this time. How do we help the art scene rebound from this? I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk about like buying local right now and like, don't buy it from Amazon, go to your local bookstore and buy it, or, you know, reach out to the, to the local record store and, and place an order, um, you know, go to the local grocery store and, and try to do the curbside pickup versus the, the Amazon stuff. I, I kind of think you, people have to start thinking of the arts scene in the same way, you know, and, um give some extra money to the you know to the theater companies in your community you know try to try to figure out a way to support the arts make a donation to the nea um it, you know the arts are part of what are going to help us rebound from this as a society you know there's going to be there's going to be art that comes out of this um and we have to i think it's our responsibility to foster it and to encourage it and to and to help it along because if I don't want to live in a city, you know, where there's, where there's not an art scene, where there's not a thriving, healthy art scene. Um, and it's not just going to happen by accident. It's going to take a real push and a real concerted effort to make it come back, I think. You know, it's coincidentally, my, uh, my work actually brought in some musicians yesterday. Uh, that's great. For sort of a work happy hour. It was uh, some Austin musicians and one of our employees like has a connection to them. They played at his wedding. It was Sir Woman, which is Kelsey Wilson from Wild Child, Matthew Logan Vasquez and Stephanie Hunt, Buffalo Hunt. Um, and the invite also mentioned actually a Facebook page called Happy Hour Concerts, which are creating these opportunities for performers to perform and get tipped and have these private organization or private concerts. There was a question asked to them, like what they're thinking during this time. And obviously, you know, they've had more time for family and to be creative, but they also said there's some pressure to kind of create something important and not sure really if when it, it's a good time to kind of release things because of everything happening in the world. They also actually mentioned an organization called NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association. 
Association, which it sounds like their mission is to preserve and nurture that ecosystem of independent live music venues and promoters throughout the U.S. So, you know, I took a look at it afterwards and it looked like a pretty cool um, organization to support. But you've start, you're starting to see this shift online, and I wonder how sustainable that is, you know. Um, can they successfully, obviously, can they successfully move concerts online long term? Um, and then also performances. I don't know if those could yeah. try moving online as well. I've, I've seen some of that. I, Nick Cave, I saw, did a, did a solo performance the other night. And um, I, I think it was one of those where, you know, you made a donation to, to view. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a model there. It's, it's definitely not as gratifying as like going to a, to a show or seeing something live or, or any of that stuff. But I think, Michael, you're always so good about, you know, finding those ways to help. And uh, I think it's important that we, that we look for them. And even if it's out of our comfort zone a little bit, or it's, you know, not necessarily how we would choose to consume, it's probably not how they would necessarily choose to put it out there either. So um, I think that's a great way to, to support, you know, the arts. Yeah, we, we also, through work too, I keep off talking about work though, we had a drag queen trivia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had, you know, cause the drag queens, quite honestly, like sure. they're, they're suffering too, but um, they're able to kind of do trivia and you could tip them on PayPal. You know, you could also, it was part of a donation to raise funds, obviously for um, the night ministry as well here in Chicago and some of the work they're doing for the homeless and particularly LGBT community as well. But so there, these, these performers are finding these creative ways to try to make a living at this time virtually. Um, and I wonder if that could become a sustainable model. I think people would start putting, paying, you know, I would hope more for those type of experiences, but you just wonder exactly how long that would last. Yeah. I'm, there's this, there's sort of this mentality. I feel like we're like, you know, we've seen it kind of since the advent of the internet, right. Where it's like, if it's on the internet, there's this feeling that it should be free, you know, and like people are like reluctant to like pay for things sometimes on the internet. Um, and that, that, you know, that mind, sh that mindset needs to start shifting, you know, like if artists are going to produce and distribute via the internet, they deserve to be compensated for that, you know, and it's, it's, and I, and I was, I was uh, guilty of this for years, you know, I would find places to download music that I wanted and I wouldn't pay for it. And I would, you know, um, same thing with movies and stuff like that. Um, you know, that mindset needs to start shifting. We need to, those artists need to be compensated. You remember Napster? Yeah, yeah sure, Napster. sure. <laughs> Had a whole download. Showing your Napster. age now. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Sorry. And Ryan, you're, you know, interestingly, you're sort of in the entertainment industry as well. And I know this yeah. had a hit on you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I DJ and uh, I do a lot of uh, personal engagements, a lot of weddings um, and do that, uh, was doing that on a weekly basis. Um, it became evident right away that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I'm skeptical of, well, I mean, it's, it's about the gathering. I think a lot of these things, when you talk about moving uh, these things online or changing the format of how we take in uh, live music or gatherings or, you know, it's about that gathering. Um, that's the kind of the link is that people want to, it's not just the music that they want to experience. They want to experience it with other people. And so when you take it online, it takes away from that. 
Um, honestly, I really don't think um, those things can have a real – I mean, you're going to see something shift to online and people discover ways to do that. But until we get a, a vaccination, I really don't see um, the arts – the arts are going to survive. I mean, like people. The arts – I mean, people are artistic people and they will never stop producing art. Um, and it's a great opportunity for people to look inside themselves and have the time to do it for some people. So a lot of great art is going to come out of this. Um, when uh, is another subject. But I mean, I, I like all of that you're saying about the, um, the support and the, and, the, and the importance of art. Um, I just think in this, in this pandemic time, um, that it, it really can't reboot until we have a vaccination because it's about gathering, right? But here's, here's what I'm worried about. And I, th I mean, I think to a certain extent you're right. Like the, I mean, I, I want to go to a show it's different than like listening to a record, right? You're having this shared experience with a group of right. people and it's, you know, it's in person. Um, I'm worried about the artists though, right now, you know, like those people who are just, they don't have, you know, that, that was a tough gig to start with, you know, and, and probably barely putting it together and, you know, paying rent and all those things. And now, you know, now what are you doing? And like some of those gigs they used to have where like they would support themselves in the arts, like working at a restaurant or, you know, like that, that stuff's going away too. Um, yeah. What the hell are those people going to do and how are they going to survive to make it to the point where, okay, now, now I'm in a space where I can create art again and people are going to consume it. You know, like I'm worried that we'll look at a miss out on like half a generation of artists because it's just not viable right now. Uh, art always survives. I, I, it does. I, I think, you know, some of the greatest art has come from, you know, tragedy. I mean, from, from very bleak, <clears throat> you know, uh, situations. So, <clears throat> I mean, what I really want to say is that the government needs to be taking care of these kind of things, but that's another subject altogether. So one other thought actually on, um, I did a tour, a bike tour, actually, of Bronzeville um, a couple weekends ago, which is oh, awesome, cool. through a nonprofit organization, Urban Juncture, that has a whole initiative around building up Bronzeville. Look it up. It's awesome. They have Boxville, which is all these container boxes that they're turning into an entrepreneurial space. Cool. But um, we went by the South Shore Community Center, which was built as part of the Works Project Progress Administration. And Eleanor Roosevelt was at the opening. Gordon Parks, if you know who he is, a famous black photographer, um, had some of his start there. But anyway, that got me thinking about we need almost another Works Project Administration, you know. I mean, which there needs to be a lot something. of artists to work, you know, doing yeah. things in murals and art projects. And it'd be great to see, you know. Um, That's exactly what I'm talking happen. about, Monica. Like, there needs to be some kind of a big something grand, you know, uh, something on a big scale, something. And that's where the government comes in. I mean, that's, you know. No, that's exactly right. Maybe we'll get that in the new year with the new president. And now, highfalutin sports. As you two at least know, but others might not, I grew up outside D.C. in Northern Virginia. It's about 10 minutes outside Washington, D.C. So I grew up with the Washington NFL team. It was my hometown team. Um, I even actually got a free day off school uh, when they won the Super Bowl back in 87, again, to age myself. Um, you got a free day off to go to the parade, which we did. Um, but with diversity, inclusion, social justice being more important than ever, obviously, as you both know, and some might know, the Washington, D.C. football team, the owner was finally forced by his sponsors, FedEx primarily, 
um, who was forced by their stakeholders and investors um, to finally acknowledge that he was going to change the name, which he said for years that he wasn't going to. So it's, it's a great example of like the community pressure actually working. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, names in consideration, but one that I thought was really cool is the Red Tails. It's come up before and it's paying tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. I like that um, one too. Yeah. Also Red Clouds, which pays tribute to the American Indians. That's so nice. Yeah. I think it's, I think I'm really excited that this finally happened and that it's a great example of like grassroots pressure, you know, actually working. Um, on another note, you might've heard the Washington NFL team was in the news for, you know, sexual harassment, which isn't quite surprising. I don't think there are enough women or people of color in leadership roles in the NFL. We almost had a female assistant coach with Katie Sowers of the 49ers win the Super Bowl. Um, but I think hopefully this is a wake up call to really all broad NFL teams to just get their act together and be more diverse, you know, allow women and people of color to have more coaching and leadership roles within that organization, become a more diverse um, team and embrace equality across the board. Well said. Yeah. <clears throat> the NFL has got a long way to go when it comes to uh, being more diverse in its uh, leadership and ownership. More, most importantly, uh, ownership. Are there any black owners in the NFL? No. I don't even think there's any um, – minority uh, shareholders in the NFL, to my knowledge. Um, I mean, there might be some, some silent partners, but I, none that uh, have any kind of front office uh, ownership kind of pull. Um, and it's sad uh, because obviously the talent is majority <laughs> black. Yeah. Right. So, I have to say that I, I was following the story and obviously I'm very, I'm thrilled that they're changing the name and I've been, you know, pulling for that for Long years. Time Long yeah. time. The, the cynical side of me, you know, leapt right to, well, they knew the sexual harassment stuff was coming down the pike and they, and they tried to like change the narrative by saying, Hey, we're finally going to change the team name, you know, and th that's, that's a cynical take on it. And then I, it's that's, not the first time, it's that's not the first time it's come up. I mean, they were, uh, they were having problems with their, uh, culture um about seven years ago where they you know with some cheerleaders um so i mean that's kind of a bad culture and it's not the only one and it's not the only sport um male dominated white male dominated um it's the rich uh doing what they want to do and not being held accountable people don't realize that the nfl is a nonprofit organization the profits come from the teams and the teams make up the nfl yeah exactly so, when people talk about Goodell, Goodell has some power, uh, the commissioner of the NFL, but he's uh, beholden to the owners who are the NFL, um, which is why uh, you rarely see them held accountable and why it takes so long for them to change. Um, but uh, it looks as though those, some of those changes are coming, slowly but surely. Monica, I'm curious, is when you were a child in the, uh, you know, cheering for the team in, in 86, 87, did it ever like occur to you that there was a problem with the team name that, you know, when you were, when you were that young or is it something you kind of came into later in life? Yeah, no, I, it, it you took it, you know, for granted, you just right. accepted it. Similarly, like I went to a high school that was named Jeb Stewart high school when I graduated from it, but over the wow. last few years, they've changed it. It's now justice high school, That's partially because Thurgood Marshall actually lived nearby. Oh, um, no so I, 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 I was not woke as they say at the yeah, time, right, right. but uh, you know, I've come into it later. 
Yeah. Well, it's so hard with sports. I mean, Ryan and I were having this conversation about the Chicago Cubs, you know, and uh, um, I've been a Cubs fan for a long time. The, uh, the Ricketts family who owns the Chicago Cubs, they are big supporters of the Trump administration. Um, how can you continue to support that team if they're going to support an administration that, that is against everything you stand for? Um, and I was performing some real mental gymnastics to try to, <laughs> to continue my support for that team. The, um, you know, owners come and go and they're all jerks. And, you know, uh, I liked the Cubs before the Ricketts got there when the Tribune owned them. And I liked it before the Tribune owned them. And um, when you think of it, you know, what, what you support and where you spend your dollars and what you, you know, what kind of hat you wear and all that stuff sends a message, you know, and the, um, you have to be aware of those things and it, it doesn't, it's, you know, pretending to be ignorant to it or turning a blind eye to it as an adult, right? As a child, Monica, when you're in that situation, you know, I, you know, that's a different situation, but as an adult who, who professes to have these beliefs and, and who wants to stand for something, you know, how can you turn a blind eye to it just because it's, you know, sports. Um, and I, I think finally I came down to the, to the realization that you can't. And, um, I, I don't want to give any money to the Ricketts family. I don't want to support them in any way because that is in a way supporting this administration. And I think actually that's, that's a great point. And that supports similar to what I mentioned with the Redskins, you know, I, I think back in the day, we all were just like, it's a sports team. We didn't think anything of the right. ownership, you know, right. or their background. Now people are realizing that the ownership and their values impacts that team. And that that's a great example of what just happened with the Redskins, you know, like, FedEx got pressure and FedEx put the pressure on the team, you know, whereas I don't think that would have happened like 20 years ago. People didn't really even think of the sponsors or the, or the ownership as much as now they do as representing the team. I mean, we, we like to think of these things as there's something bigger than business, right? We like to think that there's like a greater meaning to them or there's some sort of, you know, the, but ultimately at the end of the day, these are businesses. And, you know, just like I'm not going to go support Chick-fil-A or, or Hobby Lobby, you know, because I don't agree with their with their politics and their and their stances on things. How can I go support a business that is 100 percent in on Trump when, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you know, and, and that was, a you know, you, Ryan, helped me see that a different way. The um, I was. I was being willfully, willfully ignorant about that and just not, I didn't want to look at it in that way. And um, I'm not saying I'm going to become a White Sox fan, you know, but um, I'm not necessarily going to, I'm not going to support that the Chicago Cubs and with my dollars and with my, um, you know, with my person um, while the Ricketts family is in control of that organization. Yeah, I think ethics in general is becoming a larger theme um, in modern society, which is good. Well, especially, you know, it's just like corporate responsibility, right? So sports teams are corporations as well. Um, and if you dislike the president, um, and there's many reasons too, um, and you don't want to see him gain power uh, or another term, then, you know, how can you support the businesses uh, that are, advocating his his second term um that are are actively trying to and i mean i, I think you're 100 
Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And Monica's example with, you know, well, it took the pressure from FedEx to like get this to, to change, right? I mean, that's how you as a citizen or as a private citizen who is a consumer of things like makes your voice heard. You exactly. You either choose to throw your dollars at it or you do not. And they don't, a business isn't going to address it until enough people say, hold on, I don't like what you're doing. I'm not going to give you my money as a result. Exactly. And, and this, I've, seen, I've seen some, uh, many a Cub fans, uh, much like yourself, just a turned face um, because of uh, the actions of, of Trump. And it's like, yeah. you know, oh, and I think they try to do the, like the mental gymnastics that you were talking about. Well, it's just a team. The players don't have anything to do with that. But at the end of the day, that's a business. And you are saying yay to this business that is working in a direction that they're working towards a world you don't want to see. Yeah, and this um, has happened before too. If you say, if you remember, with the NRA, you know, companies that supported the NRA was about right. a year ago or so. FedEx actually was one of the last holdouts. So I intentionally was like avoiding FedEx, and they finally came out as not providing. I think I can't remember all the details, but they had like discounts or some kind of member benefits for NRA. And there was a list going around of organizations that had that. I remember that. They dropped it. They slowly dropped it all, and because they realized there was pressure and there was not the support, and they needed to change. I mean, yeah, sometimes. It's money and you know, money yeah. talk. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like you can't do anything. Like, you know, my, my own little, you know, what, how am I going to make a difference? Like me, me choosing to not wear a Cubs hat or to not, you know, go to the park. What, what, what difference is that going to make? It does make a difference, you know, and it, yeah. it, it makes a difference in um, taking a stand always makes a difference, you know, and, exactly. and sometimes it isn't applauded or sometimes you don't see the result from it right away, but that doesn't, it doesn't mean you shouldn't take that stand. You know, it doesn't devalue it in any way. It's still important to take a stand when you see something wrong. And now, some final thoughts. Guys, we're, we're kind of at time here. The, uh, you know, any, any key takeaways that anybody wants to talk about? Any, uh, any observations that you'd like to share? Any pearls you'd like to cast before the swan? I do. Yeah. I do. Just a... Uh... So a key takeaway would be that we just have to kind of keep adapting and moving forward and supporting each other and particularly those in need. Um, empathy and lending a helping hand are really kind of what's needed right now and everyone should try to do something good. And particularly, I think, you know, and this has been something that, um, you know, again, has been going throughout around my work is be good to yourself, you know, don't put pressure on yourself, you know, like Ryan, you mentioned getting all those projects done. I had lofty plans and I got some of them done, but not all of them, but that's okay. You know, this is a yeah. tough time all around, you know, and mentally as well, people getting down a little bit. I went through that um, quarantine fatigue myself because um, it's a tough time. So be good to yourself and find, you know, those things that make you smile or get you a little happy like this podcast will hopefully exactly. be for others. Amen. Any, any thoughts, Ryan, you want to share? I, I think a, re a fresh start is always a good thing. Um, and although, obviously, this is uh, uh, nothing that we would have wished upon each other, I think we've mentioned a lot of good that's come out of it. And um, I know that I'm a better person for it. And uh, I think, in turn, I'll be a better citizen, world citizen. Um, and that's, you know... We're all in this together, I think, is, is kind of uh, what this whole thing has taught me in that um, a, rush, a fresh start is, is always a good thing for everyone, um, regardless of how good or bad things may be. 
there's always room for improvement, right? So a fresh start is a chance to do that. Yeah, that's great. I, uh, I, I think my takeaway from this is that, you know, both in the conversations we've had and just in the action of doing this, like, um, it's important to do something, you know, the, and, and not to put a lot of pressure on yourself, Monica, like, you know, you were saying, and not to, you know, nobody's going to, everybody who gets through quarantine wins quarantine, right? Like there's no, right. you know, the only way you lose quarantine is if you just, you know, you can't, you know, you, is if you give up on quarantine, right? Is exactly. if you're going out there and you're just saying, I've had enough and I'm just going to go to the bars or I'm going to go to the beach or whatever, you know? Right. Um, so, so you win it by getting through it. You know, you don't have to change the world in quarantine or whatever. Um, you know, however, there is an opportunity here to, to kind of take a breath, reboot, and, and to put your energy towards something positive. And if enough of these you know, positive things start to happen, you know, they, people get inspired by each other, they, they go out and they do something of their own that's, that's positive, then you start to see some change happening. And it's got to start somewhere. And, um, you know, there's no time like the present to get it started. We close each episode of the Highfalutin podcast with a poem that relates to our theme. For our first podcast, we chose Reboot as the theme, and the poem I've chosen this time out is The Second Coming by Irish poet William Butler Yeats. It's one of his better-known poems, and a bit mysterious in meaning, perhaps, but I think it applies here, and it's one of my favorites. I hope you enjoy. The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. In what rough beast its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Thank you for listening to the Highfalutin Podcast. Please make sure to check our website, highfalutinmedia.com, for more episodes and related content.